on today's episode. But it is uh, such a diverse country, uh, welcoming. Uh, it, it is it's a stunning place to be, and, and I love it here. And the weather's a little bit better than England as well. inject a lot of joy and a lot of fun into it it's not just grinding out classes just because you used to be presencial you used to be face to face you've got to get that balance right fishing for sailfish off the coast of Guerrero is a little different than uh, you know, perch fishing or roach fishing I'm David Bevis and you're listening to Mexico Over the Wall, a podcast about Mexico from the other side. First off, thanks to Lem Floyd in the UK for your review on iTunes. It's very encouraging to get your feedback and reviews and ratings help others to find the podcast. My next guest first came to Mexico from the UK over 35 years ago. He owns and runs a school in Whiskey Lucan. I'll let him introduce himself. My name is Thomas Wingate. And I am the head teacher of the Wingate School, also the owner, with one or two other people. And uh, we educate children. So you're in uh, Whiskey Lucan, is that right? Well, where I'm sitting right now is Tecumachalco, but I shoot up the hill it's up to 20 minutes from here. So we, we have a school in Whiskey Lucan, but we, we started in Vireyes because somebody offered me a place which had also the suelo. So in Vireyes, I bit the hand off. Um, I'd always wanted to start in, in Whiskey Lucan, but it wasn't possible because of uh, delays with permits. But yes, we're very um, established there. We've been there three years and um, just finished building the high school. And that's where we are. We're, we're on the edge, actually, of a ranch called the Mirador. And the ranch is a very big ranch. And one side of it touches a part of Bosque Real. So we're nothing to do with Bosque Real, but we're through the ranch, through through the ranch, we're a neighbor, as it were. How long have you uh, been here in Mexico? Okay, so that's uh, slightly tricky to answer because I came out here uh, in 83, 1983. Uh, well, I have various times when I arrived here, but really to, to live was 86 after the bad earthquake of 85. And then we came and went because of my wife's diplomatic work. And so um, we have been working in the United States. We've been working back in London. And um, so I've uh, been here from uh, 2007 now um, as a kind of a, a permanent base. Why did you decide to stay here in Mexico then? Well, my wife is Mexican. Um, I have a lot of family here now. My three children are here. Um, two of them are married, and I have grandchildren uh, through both. And uh, it's just such a fantastic country. Uh, every country has its issues. I wouldn't need to to go into that. We're we're quite aware. Being in Mexico, we're all quite well aware of what the issues are. But it is uh, such a diverse country, uh, welcoming. Uh, it, it is it's a stunning place to be and and I love it here and the weather's a little bit better than England as well and how did you end up uh, setting up a, a school here well I'd been in another school 
um, all my life I've been in schools. There's only one part where I started in a school in Guildford in Surrey when I was a young teacher. And I really didn't know whether education was my thing. And I went to work in art history. I, I love art history. I done some at university. And I helped ensure the collection of John Paul Getty at a place called Sutton Place, which is a big Tudor mansion outside Guildford. And I did that for a year, but then I swerved back into education again. And I never looked back. I've done, I've done a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of roles in education, both in the classroom and in administration. And when I was here, I got to a point in my career where uh, this may sound arrogant, but, you know, we have one life and you've got to seize it. And I said, I can do a bit better than this. And so um, I wish that I'd found the school earlier. But you know what, David, if I had, it would be much more difficult in the sense that you've got to get some capital together. It's, it's a very expensive business to do. So you've got to balance the experience with the financial backing and find that kind of moment where those two lifelines cross and uh, then just really go for it and build a great team around you because it's certainly not, no, no institution like a school is ever founded by one person that just cannot be. And so that's, that's how it started. I, I, I wanted to, I, I never wanted to look back over my shoulder when I was 89 and say, what if, why hadn't you, why didn't you? Um, there are certain moments you've just got to grasp. You've got to seize them, and uh, and we seize the moment. And it's not been easy. It's been terribly exciting. It's been like riding a roller coaster, like in Chapultepec Park. You know, it's it's a real roller coaster. You have some great ups, and then suddenly, boom! You're looking you're looking at a down. Particularly when you're dealing with things like building permits, which is so so difficult to get. How has the the current situation affected uh, what you do? The current situation will very much. Um, like everybody else in education, we've had to say, well, how are we going to negotiate all this? So you retool. We obviously went online and uh, we worked with the families. We, we set up our, our classes. Should we use that platform or this platform for this age or that age? How many hours of contact time, screen time is appropriate? How much home learning do you set? the combination of the academic and the well-being, you've got to really pay attention to well-being, perhaps more than the academic, actually. And you've got to give the children a sense of continuity. And also, um, you've got to inject a lot of joy and a lot of fun into it. It's not just grinding out classes just because you used to be presencial, you used to be face-to-face. -face. You've got to get that balance right and it and it's uh it's like a guy on a tightrope you know he he's doing well and there's a little gust of wind and then you've got to re readjust reassess you've got to listen to the parents a lot because they're the ones you know who with the younger ones have to sit by their side and they've perhaps got a child who's in another school and they need that computer and so you know there are a lot of a lot of considerations you've you've really got to pay attention to the context of the child and, and their home life we have some children who are signing in from Korea, signing in from Denmark, um, or sometimes he crosses the border to Sweden. It's, um, it's a school which has about 40 nationalities in its community. We'll, we'll be back in August, either online or, or presencial or a mixture. And 
we have uh, we will have about 350 children. So we have children from all over. And um, at this very moment, some of them are literally uh, living abroad. Would you say uh, this has been like the biggest challenge for the school o- over its time, or have there been other difficult times? Uh, yes. Um, I think establishing yourself, um, because you never really know, David. You, you you believe in yourself, but you've got to... When we started, it was very small potatoes, but people have to have faith in your experience, your ability. Everybody can talk the talk, but will you actually put your feet on the ground and, and uh, will you actually do what you say you're going to do and, and fulfill the promises that you make? Talk is cheap, promises are cheap. So we started in a, in a rented place in, uh, in Vireas, as I say, and what was really encouraging, and, and, and that was difficult, and what was really encouraging was that when we said, look, we're, we're going to build this campus in Wiskilukan, and we had the two campuses overlapping just for a little while, some people signed up without one brick on top of another brick. And I was, I was very impressed by that. And they, you know, the, our founding families, I still am impressed with them. Um, we did have uh, last year a very tragic case of uh, a coordinator who was very close to us who died uh, very unexpectedly. And she was relatively young. And that was a great blow. And to, Explain that. How do you explain that? To explain that to the children who were very close to her as well, that was uh, extremely tough. But it was a moment to every cloud has a silver lining. It was a moment where a school could really show its colors and show its character and pull together and unite in a common grief and a common problem. Um, so that, that was very tough. And then, then this, yes, um, who saw this coming? Nobody. Um, it, it has been really challenging and to maintain the momentum and the, the spirit of core and the, uh, keep people upbeat. Um, you know, some children, some, some staff, but more children have found this emotionally very, very tough and, um, they won't be the only ones. There'll be a lot of people out there who on the surface, you look at them and say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm fine. But inside, not so good. What would you say the, uh, the, the biggest achievements have been uh, of your time uh, at the school? Getting a great crew together, getting a great team together, um, some members of my family included um, in, in, in the management team. Finding the right location, David. Furiously difficult to say this is where the school can be. For example, we're in Whiskey Lucan and, you know, it's not close, but it's not far. And you've got to think of your your school population now. I think it's like a prison, you know, build a prison, fill a prison, build a school, people will come. But the very fact that suddenly the new tunnels between Interlomas and Wiskilukan were completed pretty well in the week we opened, actually. And that has had a tremendous impact on who can actually access the school. So in Wiskilukan, the, the current president, President Vargas, uh, President Municipal, he's very keen on second levels and reconnecting and way at Laco. And, and so what I'm saying is that there's a lot of movement. Uh, y- you can move around in Wiskilukan pretty well. And so that's 
made us uh, accessible to other places, you know, into uh, into Bosques and uh, Bosque Real has, has started to boom. It was a bit stagnant for a while. They build those tunnels and suddenly you've got, you know, you've got a, a potential market there, a huge market of, of people. We even get people coming in from Polanco. Um, we, you know, transport is a, is, a, is a big thing. You've got to get the transport right. So the location was was huge. We wanted somewhere light, bright green. We're a little bit high up in Wiskilukan. So you look down over the city, you're in cleaner air. We're near a green ranch. Um, getting the right builders. We've used two companies, um, um, some people I knew very well for the first um, building and then for financial reasons, uh, a, another company uh, that has done some work for a brother-in-law of mine. And we've just finished the, the, the high school, which is steel, brick, plate glass, a, a very modern looking building that has to jive with the, with the first building. So getting the building uh, right and uh, getting the building built in the right time frame. everything, you're always chasing your turn in education because it's all, always about delivering something in time. When are your terms starting and ending? When can you build? When can you not build? Da, 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 da. Um, we want, we want a, a, a beautiful campus and we're, we're on the side of this ranch where we have access to the ranch because one of the guys there is a, is a, a business partner of mine and we can go in and do what we call woodland walks. So this place, Monaco, it's uh, 730,000 square meters. So the kids can go in and, and do woodland walks. And um, it, it looks like uh, Canada or Austria. It's, 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 it's gorgeous in there. It really is nice. So um, that I think is a great achievement. And, and inside the school, because the school isn't, isn't the bricks and mortar, of course, it's what you do. One of the things that is a real achievement is up to this point, every child in the school, other than kinder, and they have their own music program, every single child in the school plays a musical instrument, violin, viola, cello, and double bass. And then we're building the orchestra, and we have a choir, an emergent choir as well. But building the orchestra, the next thing will be the flute, um, nice silver flutes. So um, I would say those are those are the achievements and and the human relationships the way we work with the pta uh we also operate an advisory board with some very heavy hitters in uh in business in law um to give us blue sky thinking you know particularly that decision david to should we when should we close down virayas really keep our eye on the prize and, and, and really develop one campus, which is the Whiskey campus to get up in the morning and say, oh, look in the shaving mirror and say, oh, it's today, Vire is today, Whiskey Lucan was madness. I mean, I sometimes would have a meeting. I would shoot down to Vire have a meeting there, go up to Whiskey Lucan, have a meeting there, go back down to Vire all in one day. I mean, I was, uh, you know, the best friend of Pemex you could ever meet. I was just driving and driving. So, uh, building the community, building the, the trust uh, between and among the parents and us. We have a very good relationship with the, with the PTA and we do a thing called a carnival, a cultural carnival every year, where we celebrate all those nationalities that I was talking to you about. And so, um, you know, with food and drink and dance and music uh, um, and books, and it's wonderful. Going back to when you first uh, came to Mexico, what, what did you find difficult about adjusting to living here? 
I had studied some Spanish when I was at school, but it had gone, you know, um, and then between then and coming to Mexico, I'd actually done some Italian. Uh, my professor wanted me to, to change my minor of history of art to, to Italian. And thank good I didn't because I love history of art. It's to train your eyes and to see the world and to understand the aesthetics of the world. Wonderful. Coming to Mexico, uh, I stood at the airport with my suitcases and I kind of said to myself, look, it's going to be very different. So if you expect X, think 180 degrees. And it was a very kind of simple, simplistic way of seeing things. But I mentally prepared myself for the different and said, look, it's not going to be the same. You're in a Latin American environment. And perhaps I was slightly trained for it in that my mother was French back in the UK. And so I uh, had, uh, I knew about the Latin character. <laughs> uh, my mother could be quite uh, passionate and fiery, a delightful lady, but, but not English. And uh, so I had the two sides in my background. My father, very he was British and German, but very phlegmatic, and my mother not. And so when I came here, uh, just adjusting to the different ways of seeing things. And, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a cliche, but I soon learned that, uh, you know, other than meeting David online at 10 o'clock means meeting David online at 10 o'clock. When you generally make an appointment here, it doesn't work like that, you know. Um, that that threw me a little bit, I must admit. Um, the Aurita business, you know, the time is very flexible here. That, that got me. Um, but I think... I was very lucky in that I had my Mexican wife. I have my beautiful Mexican wife and I had an instant family and that made it much easier for me as an expat, I think, than other expats who come here and they want to teach here for two or three years and then move down to Guatemala or go to Brazil or go to the Middle East. Or I, I had a reason for being here and I already had a young family and then my family was extended here, my my. Uh, son was born here. So that was a, a great, great help. So yeah, it, it took me some time to adjust, but uh, I think I had it much easier than other people I know. What do you like about living here? I love uh, the warmth of the people. I love the just the extraordinary variety of things you can do here. I mean, for heaven's sake, this country, you can go down and see those that that freshwater grid down in, uh, in Chiapas, the cenotes. You can climb volcanoes. I used to do um, volcano climbing with uh, ice axes and, and uh, crampons here when I was younger. Um, the pre-colonial architecture, the the pyramids. Uh, as as you know, I've talked to you about a little bit about art history, so. The world, my environment in which I live in is, is I'm acutely aware of, of where I am and what I'm looking at. Uh, the, the colonial architecture, of course, the, um, the, the festivals and dance, the color, the vibrant colors, the shoot out of Mexico City, head down to Cuernavaca or Tepozotlan or Tepotzlan or go up to Querétaro. Um, the, the extraordinary variety of this country. I mean, this country has what, not that I speak them, of course, um, 60, 60 tongues, you know, where did the Indians go? Nowhere, they're still here. The, um, the desert, the jungle, the coastline, the, well, you, you can just go on. It's just, it's just remarkable. Um, 
I love that. I love that. Is there anything you you miss uh, from the UK? Oh, yes. Um, I think I am a little bit like one of those people who says the grass is greener. You know, when I'm in the UK, when I'm in London, I'm very lucky to have a place in London. I I love London parks. Um, I could go quite easily from where I am to see concerts, listen to concerts at the Albert Hall. Uh, I love the old bookshops at the Charing Cross Road. But then you've got Don Sellers here near the near the cathedral down here. So um, I, I love that word in, in Spanish, puebleando, you know, bouncing around, going from little town to little town. So the British history, you, you just turn on a sixpence and there's something else to see and something else to do. I used to fish a lot as a child and as a young man in uh, the River Thames near my, my uh, family's home down in uh, Surrey. So I, I miss that. I've done some fishing on the coast here, of course, but, you know, um, fishing for sailfish uh, off the coast of Guerrero is a little different than uh, you know, perch fishing or roach fishing in, in freshwater rivers. Um, I, I miss, um, there's a different pace of life in the UK, isn't there? Um, London, being a big city, is fast-paced. Uh, when I lived in the United States, I think it was even faster. But I love... I love the the English landscape, the the, the greenery of it. Um, the country's soaked in British history. I love history, and um, you know, I love going to big old cathedrals and and, and thousands of years petrified in front of you. Wow! Um, so uh, we we do get across there. Not now, of course. Uh, my parents are now deceased, but I do have. Uh, family over there. It had been our ten- intention to go over to London uh, this summer, but um, we'll postpone it and we'll look forward to it um, next year. So yeah, the, um, the, the that extraordinary, unique countryside, uh, which contains so much history, I, I miss that very much. Is there anything that you, uh, you find uh, difficult about living in Mexico? Uh, how honest do you want me to be? Um, look, here I am. I'm, uh, I'm an immigrant. Uh, I'm very conscious of that. My mother was an immigrant in the UK. And so I believe in respecting my adopted country. So uh, it's a difficult question. Thanks for the question, but it's a difficult question for me to kind of blurt out what's deep down inside my heart. But I think that... um, I think that when you live in Mexico, a lot of the issues and problems of this society, you know, a bad person is a bad person, you'll find them anywhere. But the corruption that you find in this country, I think is fueled by the injustice of the uh, unfair distribution of money and funds and wealth in this country. You know, people will go, will turn to crime. Um, I'm not necessarily talking about uh, our friends in the, and the drug world, but people tend to crime when they just have had enough uh, of the few people who have everything and the the majority of people who don't. Now, um, look, this is an incredibly complex issue. The whole uh, the whole issue of of the economy. Uh, my wife is a very good economist, and you know she has tried to teach me a little bit about uh, economics. Um, I'm not very good at it. But it is the art and the science of the distribution of wealth and the just distribution of wealth. 
And I think if we got that right, we did better on that, then the law, the police, the politicians, the, they, would, um, they would be better. It's chicken and egg, an egg, isn't it? If they did a better job, we would have a juster society, a more just society. And if we had a more just society, then that would be reflected as well. So it's chicken and egg, isn't it? Um, but yeah, the, the, that, the, uh, the wealth, disparity of wealth and corruption issues, uh, they, they bother me, yes. What do you do in your free time? I love reading. I love, as I say, Puebliando. We'll up in a car and go somewhere, stay overnight somewhere outside the city. I like going to the coast in, uh, in the holidays. Um, I'm a granddad, so I like being with the, the grandchildren. Uh, you know, at the moment with the social distancing, they come into the street and we can see them down in the street looking up at us on the terrace. It's a bit, bit, bit peculiar. Um, I enjoy very much collecting antique documents, um, some from Mexico, but mostly in, in, in uh, English. So I have a particular, uh, my wife would say obsession, I have a particular like for the life and death of Charles Dickens. So I have a very good collection of documents to do with his life and death. And it's great. It's, it's both the, the hunting and the finding. Um, it's almost a bit of a letdown when you're looking for something and then you actually acquire it. And it could be through dealers in the United States or in the UK. And then it's a bit, a bit of a letdown. Oh, got it. Right. And then you've got to go on to the next, the next hunt. I suppose it's sometimes like, uh, you know, when we drive to the coast, the drive through Nueva Italia and Lombardia, the, the Mexican Lombardias, um, going past Morelia onto the coast, on to Ixtapa. It's a stunning drive and, and it's, it's journey and destination. And it's the same with collecting, collecting old documents, uh, hunting something down, finding something, acquiring it. Uh, and then you've got to be a bit patient because what I do is I don't get things sent here. I'll wait for a family member uh, to come over or when we go over and I'll pick up some stuff that's been delivered to my sister's house because I'm just so terrified I get lost in the post that I, I have to hold it in my hand luggage because uh, uh, I, would, I, would, I would die if, if anything got lost in the post. So um, I very much enjoy that. And uh, I, I really enjoy, uh, did I say this before, you know, visiting towns and looking at architecture um, I love going to cellars and hunting down books. I don't get too much time to do that now with this with this project. And of course, this project of of the school has um, just filled our lives. And I think about it a lot. It's it's kind of like a seven day week, to be honest. And I, uh, I I've got great satisfaction in building up this school, building up this community, and thinking how I'm going to um, one day, not now. Uh, pass it on to the next generation, to, to my the younger members of my family, so that this is an institution that can help educate, help deal with those issues that we were just discussing, and touch lives and make this society just that little bit better because it has given so much to me. Mexico has given so much to me. I owe something back, and this is my way of paying back, I suppose. So I was talking there to Thomas Wingate, who lives in Tecamachalco. 
Over the course of this series, I'm going to be interviewing people from all over the place about their experiences of living in Mexico. If you live in Mexico and would like to take part, please get in touch by writing to feedback at mexicooverthewall.com. Please support the podcast by giving us a review, which you can do via mexicooverthewall.com slash apple for Apple Podcasts if you have an iOS device or iTunes. Or you can review us on Stitcher by going to mexicooverthewall.com slash Stitcher. You can also support us with hard cash by sponsoring us on Patreon. One of the benefits of sponsorship is that you can get extended versions of these interviews. Go to patreon.com slash mexicooverthewall for more details. That's it for this episode. Hope you liked it. See you next time. Thank you.